May 1st, 2022. Let's continue in Nefesh HaHayim, or in Sha'al Dalid, winding down, making our way to Perik Lamed Bet in the uh, blue books. It's on page 791. He could, begins the Perik with, uh, assuming you remember what he said in the last one, he says, V'hakol mita'am hanal. He says, and everything we've discussed is because of the reason that we mentioned earlier. What has he discussed? What's that? Downstairs. Uh, what's he t- what had he been talking about and what's the reasoning that he's referring to? Well, he had been talking about the fact that Torah has some potential, some mechanism within it to bring forth kapara, to achieve atonement and uh, forgiveness. That's what we discussed in the last class in Perek Lamedal. So that's Vehakol, that discussion. Mita Amhanal is because of the reason that we had discussed in the past and we've been discussing over the course of several chapters and he writes for us it because the shorish, that root of the Torah or, or uh, rather the Torah so to speak emanates from this root which is above in the eyes of the Mekubalim all the olamot and just to for a moment before he does it himself to envision and understand it uh, so to speak take a a human being and understand as he does in Sha'ar Aleph and he'll cross-reference himself in this respect uh, break down a human being in the most coarse and elementary way that you can with regards to who they are what their characteristics what their personality is and uh, the way the Mikubalim will break it down is a human being has an upper realm call that the Olam Ha'ilyon it's the Lema'ala Me'al Hakol and that's the thought of human beings that's what we call Neshama Below that, as we get more, in the words of the Kabbalists, more coarse or more thick, we talk about speech. It's a little less pristine. We're already limiting. We're already quantifying. We're describing matters with words and letters and sentences. So that's what we call the olam of ruach. Again, I'm describing the personality. The personality and the characteristic of a human being is there's nishama, there's the mind, the thought, the most, in terms of human conceptions, the highest you can go. Then you have ruach, which is this intermediary stage, it's the speech where you articulate, and then there's what's called nefesh, that's actions, that's what we do with our hands, with our bodies, with our anything and everything that we put into effect. And when I envision and understand the human personality as such, and then understand how Torah affects that personality. So the description in this respect is that the Torah resides above. Again, he's talking about existentially in a broader sense, in the world, in the cosmos. But here, let's just, and he will bring us into the uh, micro vision of a human being, just to understand the human being as such and understand in turn Torah residing above, which means, so to speak, uh, whereas my actions might not, might not, although Sefer HaChinuch will caution us from thinking that they don't, my actions might not reflect my mindset, Um, my speech might not reflect per se my mind, I might speak something different than my mind. The higher I go, and if I describe Torah as residing above, Torah has that way in turn of permeating, of making, of of taking effect on my entire personality. Again, just in the most, now to put it more practically speaking, I am who I am and I live my life as I do and it could and may resemble my next door neighbors. However, 
if above those realms of my life, my thought, my speech, my action, is Torah, means Torah, so to speak, funnels down and describes and characterizes and formulates and structures anything and everything that I say, think and do. So that's the description over here. Now, if you're gonna talk about a holistic change in a being, a person who wants to do teshubah, a person who wants to change themselves and look at life differently, well, I have different ways. They can just stop doing it. I can only focus on that olam of nefesh. I did X, I'm now doing Y instead wasn't a full change per se, it was a band-aid at best. Well, maybe he speaks differently, now that's already getting closer. He speaks differently in a real, effective, genuine way, it's authentic, there's already a change. If he thinks differently as a way of changing his thought process, he's already affecting himself with regards to becoming a new person in a way that's unfathomable. Quote, you know, no pun intended. But again, if the Torah is what's channeling that, if above all resides Torah, it means everything uh, just as a result has been changed. It's been altered. It's the, uh, it's the direction which in turn affects all. That's what he means, and he'll describe it a bit closer uh, to our words, but that's what he means. It's me'al kol ha'olamot kulam. It resides, and if appropriately understood and connected to it, resides above all. It means it taints all in a positive uh, way. It means it gives a color and a flavoring to anything and everything that you do. That's going to be a full teshubah. That will achieve for you a full new direction. He cross-references himself in Sha'ar Aleph at Perek Kaf, at the end of Sha'ar Aleph. He had a similar concept. I put it on the source sheet in source number one. Without getting into the specifics of how he's interpreting that Gemara Masechet Shabbat and Tav Kof Yotet, Kol Ha'oneh Amen Yehe Shemeh Rabbah Bekol Koho, his fundamental I put forth, it's his words in source number one, Ken Im Hata Has V'Shalom Be'machshava Asher Lo Tehorah. It's as if a person is seeking what's called a tikkun. He's looking to repair a wrongful thought. V'garam B'Zeh She'yistaleku Me'alav Mitzotze Zohar Nishmato Sha'ar as and as a result, so to speak, he's extinguished that light of his nishama. Again, that's what we're referring to as that highest level of character of a person. Their thoughts, it's been extinguished, it's been dimmed. How will you fix that? How are you going to change your thought process? You need something internal to drive a change. The closest and the best you'll do, and the only way you'll affect the what he calls the root of your neshama, the root of your thoughts, is by directly puncturing with Torah. That's the description throughout. His understanding is such that a rehabilitation to character, changing who you are, can be done in an insufficient way by just fixing, 
by just focusing on the domain in which you've erred. If alternatively you're looking for a holistic change, to change who you are, so then you're looking above, you're looking to refine above. You see, the way Kabbalists, generally speaking, certainly Nefesh HaHayim envisions sin, is sin is not just one wrongdoing. There's a certain shattering and severing. I've severed a continuity and a connectedness. I've severed my connection to God, but I've severed a certain connection within myself. I have pristine thoughts, but I've acted differently. I'm looking to somehow repair that. Now, if I'm looking at some sort of combination of such, and uh, now I'm looking to fix the whole thing, I can give some sort of mission statement, some sort of direction. I look at a room with people with disparate voices and different opinions and so on and so forth. I can do one of two things. I could walk into the room and say, let's now, everybody put in your efforts and let's figure this out and we'll have a messy combination of some sort. If alternatively, I walk into the room, I stand in the middle and I give a mission statement and I say, this is what we're driving to. And as a result, you have your way of acting as such, but channel it toward this, you speak eloquently, channel it toward this, and so forth, I bring it all together. I've effectively built something that's sustainable, something that's enduring, something that's authentic. That's a description of Torah in this respect. In order to repair the disparate, disjointed reality that we have brought forth, which we have wrought through sin, it's got to be through Torah, which again resides above in his words. He says it's the only way to uh, to to uh, cleanse to purify all the Tumah which you've affected. It's on other occasions we've talked about, the Ba'alei Mahshavah discussed this, the difference between Kapara and Tahara. He might be alluding to that. We certainly saw it in this week's Parashah, Parashat Haremot, the mention of Tumah, of the ways of the Goyim in, in Eretz Kenan and Perek Yotahet, and uh, Tahara of Kippur. Kippur is not only a day of Kapara, as its name uh, seems to represent, it's Letaheretchem, it's a day of Tahara as well. What's the difference? Well, Tahara has this whole holistic, full vision. To go into a mikveh means I'm fully immersed in it and as a result it's mikol hatotechem. What is tahara? Tahara is a transformation. Kapara is placing something on top. Kapara means I focused on my action. Tahara means I focused on my essence, on my being. Tahara is by means of Torah. That's what he's describing over here. Through and through. That's what I was mentioning to you. This severing of olamot, the severing of my personality, of individuals and individual entities in this world through sin. I've shattered that, that ahdut, that unity, how do I bring it back together? I have a unifying force. Unifying force has to be some sort of vision which is above and channels through. That's Torah. By so doing, you all the blemishes are, are filled in, all the uh, wrongdoings are fixed. And all the destructive uh, natures which you've set forth through sin, through severing, are now rebuilt. And when you do have that ahdut, when you bring forth unity, there's a innate and natural happiness and feeling of fulfillment. That's what he's vegan. It says along the same lines, it says the only way I'll affect 
change is by touching the root. And this is exactly what we've been discussing and developing. A true change means, means I've actually affected, I've, re, I've gone down to the root and as a result understood how to fix that. And now he goes a step further. There's this uh, Kabbalistic tradition that, uh, the, and, and again, not to be taken in a literal sense, but each letter in the Torah corresponds to a uh, individual in Am Yisrael. The vision is, although it's not scientific, that there are 600,000 uh, letters in the Torah, 600,000 quote-unquote Nishmot Yisrael, as the Torah describes. Each one of us can and will tap into one of those Yisrael, Voraita, Hadhu, we're all one, and our nature of our soul, so to speak, is in Torah. Again, he's speaking the same point, but he's, re, he's reformulating it. Instead of just saying it's just a vision, it's just a description, it's just a characteristic change, which is holistic, he says it's really natural. It gets into the root. It's, it's very appropriate. He says it's similar, it's along these lines. The Pasuk in Tehidim says, Torah is this uh, unified um, tamim is, is, uh, is whole uh, entity and essence. It's mishivat nefesh. It has a nefesh. It has a way of restoring your soul. And if your soul has been severed from its shorish, from its root. And you, in turn, have descended. You've gone down in terms of your natural inclinations, your sense of self. The Torah, through immersion, through life of Torah, through understanding of Torah, through contemplation of Torah. had spoken about talking words of Torah to affect the the uh, ruach side of it, through all that, it in turn restores us to an initial state of, of, of unity, an initial state of self, an initial state in which we don't have disparate, disjointed drives and, uh, and ambitions, but rather we have a nefesh, a ruach, a neshama, a shorish, which are all in line with one another. V'zeu she'amru, it says, it's along these lines, the Gemara says at the beginning of Masechet Ta'anit, Torah, if approached appropriately, is Sam Hayim. Sam is a potion, is some sort of medicinal herb of life. Again, that's the point. And a medicinal herb has a way of not just if it's the right one, not just uh, fixing for a moment, not just changing a reality momentarily or for some sort of period of time, but it restores life in the literal sense. What's that pasuk in parasha Beshalach when HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells us that he will cure us? saying, I've given you the way of curing yourselves through Torah. for that reason, Instead of just being a poetic gesture, his suggestion is that we have vidui, which is al seder alef bet. He says it's al 
It's the letters of the Torah. It's the letters of the Torah, which touches on our soul, which in turn has a way of repairing, of rectifying all those wrong deeds, which in turn have severed for us. Tap into the letters, tap into the essence, make your way to the source of soul. The Cholot Adam Kashur V'davuk Tamid, when a person is properly immersed and connected to Torah, it's not only a way of repairing, but if it's continually approached and envisioned and, and used as a perspective with which to see the world, well, the Torah has a way of giving that shimira, the shimira, the proper vision, proper approach to matters. It changes and alters your thoughts, your actions, your activities. The Torah has a way of overcoming or guarding or warding off Yetzir Hara. We'll have to understand that in just a moment. But now he's getting a little bit further. This is the forward-thinking direction of Torah. Instead of I've done wrong, let me go to the rehabilitation of Torah. Let me use Torah now as my mechanism for dealing with this world. I'm calling that Yetzir Hara. Person who quote unquote places the Torah on his heart. Uh, it's supposed to be Meshivel Hanefesh and you in turn have removed from you ten difficult things. thoughts of sin, thoughts of death, of, of dying, that if it's gonna be difficulties with the monarchy, all sorts of matters and thoughts. Again, mahshava, the domain which is the most challenging, which we have the least control ostensibly over. What do I think? What's my mind wandering to? The statement is, if Torah is on the mind, it has a way of setting a certain straight direction. As an in turn, a person has a proper sense of humility, of awe and fear of heaven. As an in turn, there's no longer a fear from the obstacles, from the temptations of this world because of the Torah. Again, it's this direction. The Torah becomes, if done appropriately, your um, your 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 map, your direct your direction giver. says in turn, all matters of this world become tov. That's odd. You just describe the Torah as saving from evil. The entire world became Tob. How did the entire world become Tob? It's still Ra. I just have the proper direction. Instead of walking through it, I now know to walk on the side of it. Now his description is, no, I can walk through it, and it's Tob. How so? Again, what has he done for us, Nefesh Haim, in this chapter so far? Well, first and foremost, 
foremost, he formulated that Torah, it's a point we've made and understood, Torah as residing above the personality of existence and of human beings has a way of affecting all thought, speech, and, and action because it's a uh, perspective changer. It's the lenses through which all will be approached. That was number one. Number two, he said, well, as a result, it has a way of achieving for you life in this world, warding off all the ra. Now he says, not only that, all becomes Tob. How does all become Tob? It's a world which is filled with obstacles and challenges and drives and passions which are inappropriate. He says it's similar to along the lines of what the Chachamim say in Masechet Kiddushin and Daflamid Amud Bet that the Torah Samtem, read it as Samtam, as the potion of life. What does that have to do with anything? Here's the mashal, and from this, we'll make our way into the last point, which we'll elaborate upon. The mashal of the Gemara is a person strikes his son, his child, quite a strike, gives them a bruise, and in turn places a bandage on it. Again, the bruises, this world, being placed in this world with all the obstacles. The ritiyah, the bandage, is the Torah. And he says, in turn, the father, the parent of the child, any time that this bandage is on your wound, you can indulge in anything and everything you want, food, drink, and you have no fears. But if you take off the bandage, uh, in turn, there'll be all sorts of germs and boils which will rise up because of your eating and drinking. Of course, but the description in turn goes as follows. This world is not as ominous, as difficult, as dangerous as you envisioned it. It's only so without the proper perspective. So in other words, instead of avoiding those pathways which appear to be Ra through a path of Torah. It's rather I'm walking on those on, on those roadways. I'm just now envisioning it and understanding it appropriately because of Torah. That's the bandage which is placed on me. The Torah doesn't only give me a passageway to and in the world to come, but rather in this world, it sets forth for me the straight passage. Doesn't mean I'm on a different pathway. Doesn't mean I look different and sound different and doing different, not per se. Nefesh HaChayim, reflecting the words of the rabbis, is describing Torah as being rather the vision, which means everything, the reality in turn, is altogether different. He concludes this statement with the Mishnah, with the Gemara, Masechet of the Shenei Yisarim, that you're able to fulfill a love and passion of God and must do so 
with both of your Yisarim, both your Yisar HaTob, and even your Yisar Hara, again, a strange description. How can it be even with your Yisar Hara? I understood the first two statements of our chapter. I understood Torah as changing my personality. I understood Torah as warding off evil. Torah as transforming evil. That's the description through and through. The understanding is with a perspective change, Eat and drink, in other words, involve yourself in this world, but in turn understand this world as not negative if seen through the prism of Torah, if understanding that this will be a straight passageway. It's reminiscent to me of a, a, a comment of Harambam in his Perusha Mishnayot. I put it in source number three on the page in front of you. The Mishnah in Masechet Avot, which we say either every morning, every Shabbat morning, or never, depending on your tendency to tefillah and to being on time and reading the early passages in the Sidur. Yehuda ben Tema Omer, Heve'az kan namer ve'kal kanesh, you should be, most importantly for us, fierce like a namer, like a leopard. Then, la'asot rasona v'icha shabashamayim, in order to do the will of uh, your, your God in heaven. Hu haya Omer, he in turn would say, az panim legehenam. If you have a fierce face, you're going to Gehenam, or that's the passageway to Gehenam. I don't understand. You contradicted yourself. You began your statement by saying, I should serve God with an azut. I should be fierce like the leopard. Then you told me, if I have a fierce face, I'm going to Gehenam, or it's a pass, it's my, it's my entrance into Gehenam. Which one is it? Says Arambam, it's both. What do you mean it's both? Says Arambam, Afal Pishe Amar, in source number three, Azpanim Le Gehenam, Siva Be'azut Betochechot Hamorim Vekayozebayim. There is an appropriateness, if channeled right, for a fierceness. I thought fierceness is evil. I thought fierceness is Gehinam. Says Arambam, but what if it's being used for those who are scoffers of Torah, those who negate the way of Emet, those who preach Sheker? In those circumstances, overcome maybe your tendency to be Tamim, to be holding it in. And he says, channel it appropriately, but only if it's done, only if it's done with the proper intention, truthful intention. That's the which means to say, if I were to turn to the individual without this perspective and say, should you be fierce? Absolutely not. Azut panim gives merits gehinam. I said, but maybe not. What about in this circumstance? Now that's a Torah circumstance. Now that I'm living life through that prism of Torah, I now understand to be fierce over here is not only appropriate, it's right. That's the description, that's the dichotomy, the paradox as it's solved by Harambam. That's the description throughout over here. That Torah vision is one in which I transform an azut panim le gehinam and turn it into la asot son avicha Yes, Rabbi? It's a little bit unhappy, even though you're directing it in a good way, you're still benefiting from it, you're doing it for yourself, not necessarily the deed. So let's say we do a example of the guy who's maybe a killer, now he becomes a butcher, he redirects. He's getting that pleasure of redirecting, but at the end of the goal, it's for him. Not bigger than it's about to say. Understood. Says Rabbi, there's still a challenge to be met. And that is, even if I'm now finding Yeserara and channeling it positively, it's still, ultimately speaking, affecting me. I, I'm agreeing with you. So in other words, there's still, an, there's still another obstacle to overcome. In other words, you're explaining this is still just another stage. But when we're dealing with human beings, this stage is quite a stage to achieve. In other words, if I can use Yeser Hara to achieve positive, albeit 
in a quote selfish fashion, as you said, you turned it into the butcher who has a tendency to, uh, to attack and to be vicious and channeling it toward meat or toward animals instead. It's about Benel's vision, Rav Cook's vision, in terms of why after the Mabul were permitted to eat meat and beforehand we weren't. Because I ultimately speaking, there is still a selfish side, you're right, but I think we're dealing with human beings as they are. And he was like, okay, but once you get past that, that, that's, that stage of selflessness, we'll get to later, quote unquote, with a wink. In other words, I, I, I agree with you, but I, and I think that needs to be mentioned, but I think at the same time, dealing with reality, there is a selfish side, and the selfish side, if manipulated appropriately, we call that through Torah, well, then that's a success. That's turning Yetzer Hara into a Tob perspective. We're never not calling it Yetzer Hara. You know, we're still calling it Yetzer Hara. We're just calling it Yetzer Hara, which appears to be or is channeled toward Tob. So that's, I think, the distinction point that you're making. Along these lines, but channeling it, uh, bringing it a little bit closer to even Torah, there's a words of Zohar, which I've been fond of quoting recently. Words of Zohar in Parashat Toledot have the following statement, The world has a necessity for Yetzer Hara the same way the world has a necessity for rain. What do you mean? Rain nourishes existence. It sustains us. If we didn't have it, if we didn't have it, we wouldn't have growth. We wouldn't have continuity, we wouldn't have life. Says the says Zohar, the Ilmale Yetzer Hara, if we didn't have an evil inclination, we would not have a Hedveta de Orait Dishmaatata. We would have we would have no Hedveta. Hedveta is Hedva. The happiness is an enjoyment of Torah. Part and parcel of the experience of Torah, if done properly, if immersed in properly, and again, this is somewhat of a personal, selfish side to it, is if it's done with Hedveta. Says Zohar, if you want to study Torah appropriately, you have to be channeling your Yeser Hara. So it's not only my characteristics outside of the Midrash, it's within the Midrash. It's as I'm studying, I need a certain Yetzer Hara. It's the story that I've mentioned more than once in source number five that Rabbi Lamb told. I recall as a young man coming with high anxiety to the class of the late Rabbi Salvejic. He was extremely demanding. We would come into his class ready for intellectual battle and we shriveled up. He was very intimidating. They were very scared of him. We would put our gemarot in front of our face and peek over them so he would not recognize us and call on us. Nobody wanted him to call on you. You were nervous. He would attack you in the gemara. learned. Unfortunately, he very often caught me, writes Rabbi Lem. I remember once when we had been, been developing a thesis for some time, he asked me, Lam, what does Tosafot say? What does Tosafot say? I was intimidated, so I repeated what he had said the previous day. I thought, he's going to be pleasantly surprised. But he erupted like a volcano and said to me, I know what I am saying. I do not need you to tell me. What do you think? The problem after the ellipsis is that you check your evil inclination outside the classroom door and come in with the good inclination. Next time, bring your evil inclination with you and leave your good inclination outside. He wanted a student to use his evil inclination, his passion, in order to conquer a Tosafot and understand it properly, which means to say, yes, there is a personal selfish side, says Rabbi, in terms of developing my own creative interpretation. But ultimately speaking, channeling that side instead of looking to vanquish it, which is going to be almost impossible as human beings, means interpreting it by means of Torah, means channeling it not only to a life of Torah, but to the study itself, to the pursuit of Torah. Along these same lines, I've read it in the name of many different rabbis in Gedolei Yisrael, where they encountered some rich business person, a wealthy patron or donor, philanthropist, and they say to them, listen, I have a certain envy of you. 
I am ge'ebecha. Why so? Because of your merit in the world to come. You've given so much to money to Torah institutions, zivulun, you can only imagine. However, I happen to think that my life is better. My life is better, not because I'm going to have a greater olam haba, you know, something you have the merit in that. I have a greater olam hazed. The description in turn is my challenges in this world are, so to speak, because I'm immersed in it, eased and set forth in a different perspective. My life is seen differently. It's along these lines. Nefesh HaChaim later in the chapter brings up the Midrash in Masech Berachot and Daf Samech Aleph Amud Bet. The Midrash describes the time period during which there's Roman persecution and Rabbi Akiva continues to teach Torah and they're forbidden to teach Torah and ultimately speaking of course he meets his demise. He's killed because he teaches Torah. Before that happens, Papos Ben Yehuda finds him and says to him, what are you doing? Why is it that you're studying Torah, but not only studying, teaching it Barabim, that's forbidden by the Romans? And the response of Rabbi Akiva is with a mashal, and the mashal is a well-known mashal. He says the mashal goes as follows, there are fish in a stream, and a fox comes by and sees the fish moving hurriedly to the side. He says, what are you doing, says the fox to the fish, why are you moving? They say, don't you see, the nets are coming, human beings are coming to trap us. He says, I have a plan for you. Instead of having to move to the side all the time, just jump out of the river and you and I will live a happy and, and pleasant life together. Of course, the fox envisioning his next meal with these fish. The fish say, you, you're the one who they say is you're the one who they write fables about being the wise one, the fox, the shu'al. You're the stupidest one of all. You're the tipesh bahayot. Don't you know that if we come out of water, it's an ultimate and immediate certain death in the water. At least we have a safik, we have a doubt. We might be able to avoid the trap of the human beings. So too says Rabbi Akiva, in taking myself out of this water, it might mean death by the Romans. It might mean, excuse me, taking, taking myself out of the water is an immediate and absolute death in this moment. If I keep myself in the water, I have a safik of death by the Romans. So the question, of course, Maharsha and many of the other Mefarshim Gaon Mevilna ask, how could you do this? The halakha is yaharek bel yaavor is only by gilu Generally speaking, by 610 mitzvot of the Torah, we say you have to live. You don't give up your life. You don't put yourself in a position of dying in order to fulfill the mitzvah. The answer in turn of some, I put it on the page from Or Torah, that's Rabbi Yitzchak Isaac Chavar, is as follows. It's along the lines, but listen to how literal is taking it, that taking yourself out of that study and preaching and teaching of Torah in this world is an immediate and absolute death in that moment. You think that you'll in turn be able to have a life? You're calling that a life? You're calling that a life of being involved and immersed in Ra, the fact that Torah is part and parcel of who we are, as Nefesh HaHayim has described, of our personality, of our character, of what needs to funnel down and channel through, be channeled through our personality, our perspectives on anything and everything we think, act, and say. Well, that in turn, says Rabbi Akiva, means I can't take myself away from take myself away from it. I've lost, lost life in Olam Hazeh. I've met an immediate death as opposed to a safik later on death. The, the explanation in turn and the summary of this chapter in Nefesh HaHayim is quite straightforward and fundamental and the statement goes as follows. Torah is B'Shoshah Ha'ilyon, the fact that it resides above all the ulamot as we discussed and explained in turn means that it achieves for us, my words, a tahara as opposed to a kapara. It doesn't only change and fix, it altogether shifts reality for us. It brings forth a circumstance and situation 
situation as the Gemara and Sotah says for us that uh, and, and, and the other Ma'amarim and Midrashim that he's been citing for us not only gives us another channel another direction but rather the same direction that Gemara and Kiddushin and Daflamid in which I'm eating and drinking the same things but it's an altogether different reality that Ra has become Tob it's the Olam Hazeh as opposed to perspective only on Olam Haba I have Olam Haba which is severed from Olam Hazeh or my Olam Hazeh has become one of Olam Haba as Rabbi Akiva in that Midrash has described to us that's a life of Torah of immersion in Torah of study of Torah and involvement in Torah with the proper perspective that it provides us with Baruch Adonai Le'olam Amen Amen